You're listening to the Bible teachings of Reality Church Stockton. For more info, please visit our website at realitystockton.com. The passage on which the teaching is based is John chapter 20, and we'll start in verse 19. It says, On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now, Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We've seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I'll never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them, although the doors were locked. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Put your hand, put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. This is the word of the Lord. Now, John 20 seems to be the ideal scripture for today uh, as we begin the Easter tide season. Easter has happened, but now the followers of Jesus are, are shut up in their homes and they're dealing with all their fears and they're wrestling with all the uncertainty about what the future is going to bring. This world-altering event has just occurred, but it appears to have had no effect on people, not yet at least. And so the question that seems to be lingering over this portion of the story of Jesus is this, like, okay, the resurrection has happened, but now what? But now what? It's like that event that you waited for for so long. Maybe it was a wedding. Maybe it was a graduation. Maybe it was a new job or a big move or a vacation. And then it comes and then it goes. And then there's that feeling afterwards. There's almost this void that exists in the wake of an important event. All of the buildup. And then you're left feeling that sort of perplexing feeling afterwards. Because... We figured out what it means to anticipate an event, but maybe very little thought was given to afterwards. See, there's, there's this necessary but very difficult adjustment uh, that comes after an important event, where in the wake of a, a significant an event. And it's into that perplexing space that I want to lead us during our Easter tide season because believe it or not that what now question is really the primary question for the Christian life for those of us who are living between the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the promise of his return and the already but not yet of the kingdom of God so 
What now? An early church theologian named Athanasius talked about the appropriation of the grace of the resurrection, the appropriation of the grace of the resurrection. Now, when we think of that term appropriation, we probably have some negative connotations surrounding that word. We think of terms like cultural appropriation, but that word appropriating means to lean into something and to take up something as our own, to seize and to lay hold of something. And believe it or not, this is exactly what God has called us to do. Elsewhere in Scripture, in 1 Timothy 6, we're told to take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. Hang on to that thing. Seize it. Lay hold. See, we talk an awful lot about beholding the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but what about laying hold of it? What about living into it? What about appropriating the resurrection for our lives? That's what we're going to be exploring together over about the next month and a half in this Eastertide series. Now, back here in John chapter 20, there are three things about this passage that we're going to be looking at this morning. We're going to look at the presence of the resurrected Jesus, the peace of the resurrected Jesus, and lastly, the power of the resurrected Jesus. Let's look first at the presence of the resurrected Jesus. Now, as I mentioned, John chapter 20 is the ideal place to begin an Eastertide series. And it's because it really begins how any story about encountering Jesus begins. It begins by him graciously coming toward us, moving toward us, and meeting us where we are. And then there, drawing us out into new life. Look with me once again in verse 19 through 20. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, this is Easter, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Now, they're specifically referencing here the Jewish leaders that were a part of the crucifixion of Jesus. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Now, whether Jesus miraculously just passes through the walls, that's very possible, or he miraculously like unlocks the door, he sort of like burst open a tomb already today, or maybe he found some other way into the the house or to the building. We're not given those details, but that doesn't really seem to be the point. The point is this. The point is to highlight that there is no need to unlock doors for Jesus. In other words, there are no obstacles that, were, that will hinder Jesus from getting to you. Nothing can get in the way of Jesus meeting us wherever we find ourselves. As one artist put it, there, there's no shadow he won't light up, mountain he won't climb up, climb up coming after me. There's no wall he won't kick down, lie he won't tear down, coming after me. Now, we, we typically think of life and possibilities in terms of what we can or can't do. And a lot of us feel very restricted right now. A lot of us feel very overwhelmed by the list of can't do's right now. All the things that we typically would be doing but we can't do right now. All the the many ways that we feel limited right now. But really what we're experiencing in this season is simply an illustration of what has always been true of us. What has always been true of us is that we are extremely limited individuals. 
We're now just being confronted with that reality in a new and a fresh way. But what we need to remember, especially in a season like this, is that the Christian life is not based on what we can or can't do. It's not based on where we can or can't be, but on the unhindered ability of the risen Christ. Whenever we feel stuck, we need to remember that Jesus is not stuck. Whenever we feel cooped up, we need to remember that Jesus is on the move. And what Jesus does is he highlights that for his disciples from day one, from resurrection day one. And so Jesus comes to them where they are, sheltered up in their home, to reveal himself to them, to be experienced. And I think that this is the point, to experience the resurrected Christ. Now, unfortunately for Thomas, he misses out on this experience. Perhaps the disciples were respecting the restrictions at this time and only sending, you know, one person to the grocery store or whatever. And Jesus just happens to come when Thomas is is gone. And so when he comes back, the others begin to share about their experience with with Jesus, but the interesting thing is that Thomas isn't having any of it. He's like, no, 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 no. In fact, it says in verse 25, he says, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Now, Thomas is typically referred to as doubting Thomas, and it's because of the scene that we're seeing here in John chapter 20. But I don't know. I'm not sure that this is doubt as much as it's a deep desire to experience Jesus for himself. Sure, he has doubts, but who among us doesn't? See, this is about Thomas being unwilling to live the Christian life vicariously through the experiences of other believers. And you see, there's a doubt that pulls away and says, all right, that's fine for you, whatever. And then there's a doubt that presses in. And this seems to be a doubt that is pressing in, that moves in toward Jesus. And what we learn from this is that we are to leverage even our doubts as opportunities to move toward Jesus Christ, to insist on experiencing Jesus like Thomas insisted. He, he says, I want to experience the presence of Jesus for myself. He doesn't want to just behold the empty tomb. He wants to lay hold of the resurrected Christ. And so eight days later, Jesus overcomes these restrictions again. and says he comes and he stands among them. But this time, Thomas is there. And he turns to Thomas and he says, place your hands on my wounds. Touch my scars. In other words, I'm here, and you can experience as much of me as you want. I'm here for the taking. And I believe Thomas is intended to represent us, those of us who feel like we've missed out on experiencing Jesus like others. But what's clear here is that for those of us who feel like we've missed out, we are not disadvantaged In fact, Jesus meets Thomas afterwards with what he needs, with this actually like really profound and intimate experience. And Jesus, his presence meets us where we are with what we need as well. 
In fact, elsewhere in Scripture, in Ephesians chapter 1, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. All the storehouses of heaven have been poured out into our lives in Jesus Christ. And so somehow, according to Jesus, the greater blessing comes to those of us who have not seen and yet have believed upon Christ. The greater blessing is reserved for those of us who believe that Jesus is with us and lay hold by faith the presence of the resurrected Christ. The second thing we see here is the peace of the resurrected Jesus See, not only does Jesus bring presence in places of isolation, what we see here is that Jesus brings peace in places of fear. That's the interesting contrast here. They're fearful. Jesus ministers his peace. And really what we're seeing here in John 20 is an interesting case study, uh, really about the crippling power of fear. Think about this. Jesus has just risen, and he rose with the keys of death and Hades. He has just conquered our greatest enemies, Satan, sin, and death. And yet, at the very same moment, on the very same day, the disciples are locked up in their house. They've locked the doors and are now cowering in fear because of the religious leaders and what they may do to them. What's going on? The disciples have not yet appropriated the grace of the resurrection. And I don't think it's a coincidence that when Jesus appears, the first thing that he says to them is peace be with you. And he emphasizes it multiple times. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. See, friend, peace isn't found on the other side of your circumstance. Peace isn't just found on the outside of the walls of whatever is holding you back right now. It comes to you in your moment of need. That's what he's saying. Peace be with you where you are when you need it. Peace be with you. And Jesus shows them the source of this profound peace. It says, when he had said this, when he had made this pronouncement of peace over them, he then showed them his hands and his side. And so what Jesus is doing here is he's making a connection between our peace and his scars. Where does our peace come from? It comes from the scars of Jesus Christ. This is a peace that ultimately comes to us through the death and resurrection of Jesus a peace that secures uh, reconciliation between us and God, eliminating the hostility of sin that exists between us. A peace that eliminates the barriers between men and women, making us brothers and sisters, and also a peace that's offered that we can receive within our souls, within our hearts, a peace that eliminates and drives out the fear that seeks to disable and cripple us. A profound peace. As Ronald Rollheiser uh, put it, we must believe that the stone will be rolled back and we must be ready to poke out our timid heads and take off the linen bindings of death and walk free. In other words, we must cling to this peace that we've been offered and not let anyone or any circumstance that we face take it from us.
One great common day illustration is found in the movie The Shawshank Redemption, and it follows the story of a man named Andy who has been falsely accused of murder. He's facing multiple life sentences, and there in prison, he meets another prisoner named Red. But the difference between these two men is that Red has become institutionalized. He's succumbed to the tactics of the warden and has become dependent on the stone walls around him. And what's interesting is that the warden serves as an illustration of fear because he's essentially seeking to break all of the men of any desire for a greater life outside of the walls of prison. But Andy refuses to give in. And so throughout the film, Andy keeps trying to stir his friend to remember what life was like outside of the walls. And so he gets on the topic of music. And Andy says, you know, that's the beauty of music. They can't get that from you. Haven't you ever, you know, felt that way about music? And Red says, well, I played a mean harmonica when I was a young man, but I lost interest in it, though. It didn't really seem to make much sense in here. And Andy says, here's where it makes the most sense You need it so you don't forget. And Red turns to him and he says, forget. And Andy responds, yeah, forget that there are places in this world that aren't made out of stone. That there's something inside that they can't get to, that they can't touch. That's yours. Likewise, when Jesus rose from the grave and pronounced peace over our lives, he gave us a gift that they can't touch. A gift that is ours to cling to. A peace that conquers fear. A peace that surpasses all explanations. Later, Andy tells him, he says, I guess it comes down to one simple choice. Get busy living or get busy dying. And I believe that that's the choice that we really face in the middle, in between the resurrection and Christ's return. And in the wake of this resurrection, to either step into the life that Jesus has given to us or wither away in fear, to lay a hold of it or to let go, simply exist and just drift into mediocrity. So for those of us who say we want to to live, we want to lay hold, but then the question is how? How do we get busy living? How, How do we live into this Resurrection life. Well, that leads to our final point, the power of the resurrected Jesus. Look with me in verse 22. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. He breathes life into them. Now, I know that this sounds like a pretty big faux pas right now, breathing on someone. If you're in the grocery store and you simply cough, everyone within like a 30-mile radius looks at you like you're, you're a murderer. So why on earth is Jesus breathing on them? What is, what is so significant about this breathing on his disciples? Now, if you remember from our Easter teaching last week, Ezekiel 37, God calls Ezekiel to prophesy over these bones and to prophesy over these lifeless bodies. And it says, as he speaks, as he prophesies, the breath of God came and filled them and caused them to stand to their feet and to live. God breathed life into them. And so for those of us who have been united with Jesus Christ through faith, we too receive the breath of life. We receive the animating, empowering spirit of God. 
In Romans chapter 8, it tells us this. If anyone who does, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, then he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your immortal bodies through his spirit who dwells within you. Are you hearing this? What the Bible tells us is that the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead now resides within every Christian and empowers us to live. That same power. Which means that we too can live. We too can receive what these these disciples received. Now I know that we can come up with a long list of reasons why we can't. I can't do this, and I can't do this, and I've never been able to do this, and especially in this season, I'm just so restricted. I can't do this. But that list will never compete with the power of the resurrection that has now been unleashed into our lives and unleashed into our world. And the good news is that for the believer, God has breathed his life into you, the same breath that formed the world, the same words and and breath that spoke the universe into being is now at work in us, providing us that same power so that we too can poke out our timid little heads and throw off the bindings of death and walk free so that you and I can be God's faithful servants sent into the world with the message of grace mercy and forgiveness and transformation. That's what resurrection power looks like. It's the strength to move outside of ourselves, outside of our fears and our reluctancy and all of our excuses and into the world to love and to serve in the name of Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, But I want to emerge out of the season, whenever it ends, with more passion, more hope, more energy, more passion to to pronounce the gospel of Jesus Christ than ever before. But what I know is that depends on me right now laying hold of, leaning into, appropriating the grace of the resurrection where I am, when I feel limited, when I feel confined when I am shut up. And so my prayer for you is that God would strengthen you today to lay a hold as well, to to be like Thomas and insist on experiencing Jesus, the resurrected Jesus for yourself. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope.